I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... Pillars, Pillars, Pillars of Franchising. Pillars, Pillars, Pillars of Franchising. And welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. We are here today learning how to build your own happy nest with Eric Martin of Happy Nest Brands. Welcome to the show, Eric. Kristen, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you. Thank you. And Karen, I'm so excited to have you co-host today. Me too. And I'm excited to hear uh, everything that uh, Eric has to say. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I've been reading about him and it seems that... He is a pretty remarkable leader. Don't blush now, Eric, but, um, and that's right exactly in Karen's wheelhouse. So we're so excited to talk to you today, not only about you and how you got to where you are today, but about the brands that you lead. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be in this position with happiness? Yeah, thanks, Kristen and Karen. I appreciate that. Uh, like a lot of us, I kind of fell into franchising about 14 or so years ago now. Um, when I got out of school, I knew I wanted a career in business and I was um, attracted to sales and business development. So that's kind of where my career started uh, with, with some different companies. I got into medical recruitment, which uh, opened my eyes to more of a longer term, we'll call it consultative sales process. Yeah. And I had a good friend of mine that was in franchising approach me and say, hey, this is something you might want to take a look into. And I'm sure like you. I didn't know a lot about franchising until I really got into it. So my eyes were open to a whole new world and it seems like a long time ago, but time flies when you're having fun. So I spent a lot of my years in the service sector and uh, the home services space. And it's a space I'm comfortable in. I love uh, for a lot of different reasons and just blessed to be in this, this wonderful industry that we're in. Awesome. Now, I want to make sure everybody understands that happiness is you're basically an umbrella company, right? Or I don't know. I, we, everybody says it differently. Like it's like a parent company. It's like an umbrella company. Um, but you right now include lawn doctor, eco maids, um, elite window cleaning in Canada and mosquito hunters, right? That's correct. And, uh, our, our newest brand that's going to be uh, announced here relatively soon uh, is sparkle squad, which is awesome. actually the mirror of elite window. So we have, we're now an international brand, which is really cool at Happy Nest, but uh, we can talk a bit about the history and the story if you'd like, but uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about all of our brands and certainly the, the new one to come here and there will be more in the future. Well, I'll tell you, it's great that you already have elite window operating in Canada because that offers a lot of um, opportunity for people with Sparkle Squad to plug into a system that's already been successful just in a different country. And for our listeners, one thing I know about this show is when we get early breaking news like this, you know, boom, all of a sudden everybody's checking out territories for Sparkle Squad and they always take Chicago before I can get in there. So <laughs> Karen, we got to get moving on this. Not market. That's right. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Let's talk a little bit about what makes Happiness a unique brand, because there's a sure. lot of them trying to do it like you're doing it, right? Yeah, and I think what you're seeing in franchising is a consolidation. You're seeing some more sophisticated firms leverage infrastructure, resources, capital, private equity in some cases involved with Happiness, have the resources to help 
emerging brands with white space grow more aggressively than they could on their own. And happiness is, we'll call it kind of the mothership. Mm -hmm. And it started with Lawn Doctor, which is a 55-year-old brand, one of the most recognized brands in all of home services, and really an elite company. Um, we've been doing this a long time and have built an incredible team. A lot of knowledge has been gained over the five-plus decades we've been doing this. And we saw an opportunity as a leadership team to leverage the experiences that we've developed and, and, mm -hmm. and built things like an in-house call center that we have to help our owners with sales, centralized right. media, which leverages economies of scale to help drive demand more efficiently right. and more cost-effective for franchise owners. So this model was created for Lawn Doctor, and then we started to kind of see we can help other service concepts that align with our vision and our goals grow using these same systems and processes. And our first acquisition was in 2018 of Mosquito Hunters, which is based in Chicago, had a yep. handful of franchises at the time. And since that point, we've grown it now to at the time of this recording, about 140 or so locations. We did it again with Ecomades in 2019, acquired uh -huh. Ecomades, which only had two owners. And we built that up now to over 80 locations wow. around the country. So very excited with Elite. Obviously that was uh, officially acquired in 2022 last year. Awesome. And we're in the process of developing that further in Canada and soon to come here with Sparkle Squad. Right. So we love home services. We love recurring revenue. We love pandemic resilient, essential services that have a repeat nature to them. So we can sure. build client bases and recurrence of revenue, which is the type of franchise that's attracted to our types of models here at Happy Nest. You know, awesome. Eric, I'm interested that you have all these different brands and um, you have the strong leadership team. So as you're taking a look at um, all these different franchisees and you're vetting franchisees from all these different brands, are there some commonalities that you, you see and that, that really makes a successful franchisee? Some it's a great question. Yeah. yeah, it's a great question, Karen. And I, I think, you know, when, when people start to look into franchising, they, they start to score attributes, I think, and kind of as they're shopping in that, mm -hmm. you know, discovery mode, it's, hey, what am I looking for? Number one, what's my investment kind of comfort zone? Am I looking for more of a transactional retail brick and mortar employee based business? Or am I maybe more interested in something that's a little bit of a lower cost that can build more of a membership with my customer base, have a mobile storefront, a digital storefront, and not the expenses with bricks and mortar and a lot of employees. So you start to kind of carve out opportunities at that point. And there's thousands of concepts as we know out there today, but you really start to kind of pare it down when you focus on this type of category. And I think that's kind of initially what attracts people or some of those attributes. And then from there, you're interacting with a customer in home services. As, as you both know, having been in franchising, but in the service mm -hmm. space, it's all about taking great care of customers and building continuity and retention. Mm -hmm. That's what we're really focused on. So I would say from an owner, we're looking for someone who's got a desire to provide great customer service, a servant leader kind of mentality, yes. a desire to build a local team and really to put themselves out there. And what mm -hmm. I say to anybody is the lower the investment of a franchise, typically the higher the involvement at the local level from a demand creation standpoint, you're going to interact more with customers and try to build that continuity. So it's a different type of franchisee typically than one that might be looking for more of that bricks and mortar type of play, if you will. So the customer aspect, customer focus aspect is very important. 
And an owner who desires to build an empire, we're really wanting to bring in franchise owners that have a, a desire to go mm-hmm. deep in their area, but have a desire to grow and expand either horizontally or in some cases, vertically. As happiness, as we add brands and a franchisee goes, well, that's an interesting concept. I think that would also work well in my market. I've mm-hmm. already got an embedded customer base that trusts me and likes me and a team. Maybe I can add another brand. That's something we've learned over the years. The wider you get, and Chris, I think you can really appreciate this in your business as well. It becomes a little more complex to manage and to maintain efficiency. So we see an opportunity to help aspiring franchisees grow up with happiness in the years to come, have that opportunity as well. So those are some of the things that we we, we look for, Karen, and, and a franchise owner and some of the desires that they have in looking at us. Do you find that you have a lot of people who are buying multiple brands within the Happiness family? We're starting to see that uh, more Mm -hmm. and more within our system. And we're very careful. And I think any good franchisor should be. We have multiple brands that someone can be a part of. The the key to this is doing it at the right time, making certain that that primary business is efficient, it's profitable, you're in a good position. Yep. And then expand into a, maybe another brand as an owner. We don't want to take a really good, strong franchisee who's running a great business, and all of a sudden now they're doing two or three in their average business. Is yeah. Mediocre. So yeah. there's just that balance that you have to look at as a franchisor about timing and their potential situation and who they might have that can help them take that next step. And is it the right time to do it? Right. Yeah. I've always thought it was interesting. Um, you know, obviously with, with our brands, we've got a, a huge portfolio, but you have to really have a great relationship with your franchisor and believe in all of the decisions that the leadership team is making. And there needs to really be um, trust and a good culture before you want to invest in yet another brand. So how do you help make sure that that those things are in place, that your field staff is there supporting your, your franchisees? And how do you grow that interest of your current franchisees who want to get in even deeper with you, so to speak? Yeah. And I've always said trust is spelled T-I-M-E. It takes time to develop that type of relationship with the franchisor, right? So we take that very seriously. And really franchising, as you all know, comes down to two things. Good unit level economics, i.e. a business that can generate a nice income consistently for a franchise owner and the franchisee and franchisor relationship. And we put a lot of focus on that and and nurture that relationship, but really spending time with our owners. And we do a lot of weekly meetings, bi-weekly meetings and annual meetings as well. What what is your your vision? Where do you want to take it from here? Is this the right time perhaps to consider expanding into another brand or another territory? I think it comes down to, Christian, just being proactive and mm-hmm. having that relationship with your owner. And if the time is right, if the desire is there to grow up, we want to provide right. that opportunity for them, doing it the right way, in a structured way, and not sure. having someone bite off more than they can chew too quickly. That's that's not something any of us want to do. Which is, really, which is really important. You know, another key piece, I would think, to, to that whole picture would be um, strong education, training. Right. How, that, that, that's a key part of the support. Can you share with us a little bit about what you do to help um, support train, not really more of the train, the franchisees in all these different areas? Yes, absolutely. And we have a structured process and happiness that begins with onboarding. We call it our ramping process. And we have coordinators and coaches that help with blocking and tackling steps really early with a franchise owner. We leverage a learning management system across all of our brands to educate, pre-train, 
when an owner comes into in-person training, and it depends on where that's going to be based on the brand and kind of time of year, things like that, but it's a pretty intensive onboarding and training process. And once a franchise owner has gone through that, then there's an ongoing nature to it. There is some on-the-job training site visits, ongoing education, but where I think a franchise owner gets a lot of value after they've gone through those initial stages. And let's be honest, once you've gotten a year under your belt, a couple of years in some cases, you know the business model. You're pretty efficient right. at running it at that point. Your needs and your desires change. Really, as a franchisor, our focus long-term is keeping our owners in a great position to continue being successful, looking at the horizon. As a franchisee, you're getting a lot of value, not just from corporate, but from your fraternity of franchise owners, our yes. owners talk together and across brands and have relationships and they're able to leverage those relationships to open up new doors locally as well. That's yes. really what we're trying to do is educate, train, prepare, put them in a good position. And then from there, give them opportunities to network and go deeper in their territory with neighboring happiness franchise owners, which that's the long-term vision of a happiness brand is can we continue to drive down the cost of acquisition for our franchise owners. And when you've got leads coming in for different brands and different markets, those doors open and that can help neighboring franchise owners of another brand also build their reach. So we want to give our owners every opportunity to grow, to expand, to learn. We have our annual conferences. That's a really big deal. As you guys know, you want to show up to mm -hmm. those as a franchise owner and take advantage of those learnings and opportunities from your fellow franchisees. Because that's where a lot of the great ideas come from. Yeah, from learning owner, right? from each other, right? Learning yeah. from each other and, and, and learning from the franchisor as well and having that, that holistic system in place. Definitely. So happiness is like that shared services approach. And can you tell me a little bit about what, you know, because a lot of our listeners don't currently own franchises. So by having shared resources and shared systems and services, Explain how that is a benefit to somebody who's looking to buy a brand within Happiness or any conglomerate, really. For any brand that would have resources such as a Happiness, I'll focus on a couple of different uh, examples. Number one being centralized media. And a lot of franchisors that are good still use to this day a distributed media model. In other words, mm -hmm. every franchise owner is on their own island and they may be working with a series of vendors and those vendors have a lot of clients and you as an independent local business are one of many. We decided years ago to kind of rewrite the script and say, we're going to bring all of the media in-house. We have an incredible media team that works directly with our vendors and are kind of the go-between, if you will, between those vendors and our franchise owners. So we're able to drive down costs dramatically by centrally managing that and making it more efficient. Technology moves so quickly today. Certainly marketing is a part of that. It's hard as a local owner to stay in front of that all the time as things change and things like bidding on keywords on paid search. It's like an auction today, creating demand mm -hmm. on Facebook or Nextdoor or Instagram, running a good direct mail campaign. As a local owner, it's hard to manage that and make sure it's being run efficiently yeah. and know what you're getting from a vendor is actually the truth. We're the, we're the go-between essentially managing that. So it's more efficient and we're driving down the cost because we manage it in that way, keeping our owners off that island. They can focus on their local customers. They can focus on great service and retention and upsells, which is where their focus should be. Number two, having an in-house call center, more aptly named an in-house sales center. It's not a support mm -hmm. hotline, but it does sales for franchise owners. And as a newbie starting off, it's really hard to afford 
good local sales talent, especially yes. as you're ramping up. So having this shared service gives our owners an unfair advantage to really look, act, and become a bigger player in their market because they have sales happening for them at the national level within our happiness call center. So we're also able to provide speed to lead. And that's the key today in services is getting to those referrals very quickly, efficiently, providing that great support and converting those customers and freeing up owners to focus on what they're better focused on at the local level. So there are so many examples I could go into, but as an aspiring franchisee, I think that's what you're, what you're looking for. I want to be the local boots on the ground. This is my business, but I want to have these things happening efficiently so I can yeah. continue driving demand uh, at, at a cost-effective way. And that certainly helps as you're a new owner. I mean, I know for me, we used a call center type situation when I first opened, and it's a lot cheaper to do that than to have another body sitting in the office for 40 hours. And especially in the very beginning, you might get phone, five phone calls a day. You know, so if you're building from scratch, the ability to use those kinds of central resources is, a, is really a great benefit. I agree 100%. I think it gives, as we say, our owners an unfair advantage as they start a company and eventually as they grow and they may outgrow some of these things. But early, it's all about getting to cash flow positive. And we have these windows where we do in our businesses a lot of sales, a lot of onboarding of customers. And to your point, as an owner in the local market, you've got so many things to focus on. We all know that, right? I mean, you're you're focused on yeah. getting learning the business, hiring your first couple of employees, doing ground game and networking, being mm -hmm. in the field, meeting with customers, and to say to a franchise owner, that's really good. But by the way, I need you to manage all of this media and make sure it's efficient and you've got the right <laughs> cost of lead and acquisition and, and, and answer every call within yeah. two rings and every lead form within three to five minutes. Do right. that and you'll be fine. Easier said than done. So that's totally. how we move this forward. And have these systems in place to help owners have work-life balance and focus where they should. Right. You know, you know, always uh, when we're when I'm talking with franchisees and especially people that are prospective franchisees, there are some pitfalls. There's some common things that people do that get in the way early on of that, that, that early profitability. What are some things that you see that you try to warn franchise owners, say, okay, don't, don't do these things because they could really get in the way of, of yeah. early successes. It's a great question. I think the, the, the first answer I would give to any aspiring candidate or franchisee is when you do your due diligence and you figure out the system you want to be a part of and you join it, follow that system to AT, certainly for your first few years of operation. Once you kind of get past that stage, that's the time to get a little experimental, maybe think outside the box. You're more of a tenured owner at that point and have the, you know, the resources, the knowledge, and the experience to be able to do that. So number one is follow the system. What I've learned, Karen, over the years is when, when businesses don't succeed, it, generally speaking, it's because an owner runs out of time or money, and they, they don't know where to spend their time, number one, on revenue-generating activities or where to invest their funds to grow their business. As a franchisor, we're giving you that roadmap because we've seen it work consistently for other franchise owners. So the biggest thing I can tell any aspiring owners, follow that business model, believe in it, trust in that business model, and, and focus your time where that franchisor is asking you to focus it on because there's a method to the badness, right? When you look at media being run, an owner locally has got to do some ground game. As an example, we run a lot of great media, but we're asking owners and their teams to get out some door hangers and lawn signs and get involved in their BNI and network with some other potential partnership groups where they can get referrals from, focus on customers. 
Those are the things you need to be looking at as a business owner and figuring out, are these things I'm good at, I can be comfortable doing and trusting in my franchise or to deliver on more of these other kind of centralized functions. So that's where the trust comes in, right? Trust, absolutely. trust, trust each other, trust the franchisor, trust the process and the model. And Karen, absolutely. how do you spell trust? T-I-M-E. There you go. There you go. <laughs> We're going to write that down because that's actually very, very good. Um, I love it. Yeah. So, so Eric, tell me a little bit about if you were going to, you know, point out some of the most critical uh, metrics that people look at before they buy a franchise, what would they be? I think most people, number one, they look at the investment. They want to mm -hmm. make sure, hey, beyond just getting into the clubhouse, what is the working capital needed to really get me through this startup phase and make sure yeah. I'm getting the cash flow positivity? What what can I, I do with a, a vehicle and a technician as an example? I, I mm -hmm. want to know what, what I can build with this. And generally speaking, how long does it take to, to ramp up and get to a stage where the business is paying for itself? Right. Self-sufficient, the tourniquets on it. And a lot of those things come out obviously during some discussions, but certainly through through validation. And, and ultimately, what's my role going to look like in this business? How quickly can I scale it? How predictable is it? What does the long-term vision look like? How does my role evolve as I kind of right. take these different stages in development? So I think that's what a lot of folks are, are thinking through in those mm -hmm. earlier stages. And we have a very detailed you know, financial performance representation in our item 19s. And it gives candidates a really good understanding of this is what it looks like typically on average. This mm -hmm. is the high side. This is kind of the low side, if you will. We want to set those expectations. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. Yep. But ultimately, those are kind of the things that I think most most aspiring candidates are going to be focused on in those earlier stages. Yeah, we we usually advise people whatever the franchisor tells you go like two and a half times because you never know what's going to happen. Right? We've had you know I opened and we had. Um, the recession. And then, okay, so we can get past that because we've got extra money. And then next thing you know, we've got COVID hit and you've got the increase in prices for everything. So if you don't have a safety net, um, I think that's probably where you most see people run out of money is you can't just start on a shoestring budget and hope you can make it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And franchisors need to have that discussion. We certainly do. It's beyond just the investment. It's making sure yeah. you have some reserves set aside, whether it's your spouse's income or other investments to where you can live your life relatively normally within mm -hmm. reason as you're getting started up. We all know in business, you have to take a step back to take two forward, right? right? So that's very so clear, true. but yeah. having some reserves is important and making sure you can keep the lights on in the home. The first order yes. of business is making sure the business bills are being paid. <laughs> a lot less stress. Sure yourself. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, Eric, it has been so great chatting with you today. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to interview you. And I can't wait as Sparkle Squad comes on to have you back on or one of your franchise development people. I have to give a shout out to Stephanie with Mosquito Hunters, who I met last year. She was so energetic and had so much passion for her job at the time. And uh, hopefully she's still with you and doing great things. And yes. uh, excellent, excellent. So you tell her that we said hello here from Pillars of Franchising. And we will look forward to having you on again. All of your contact information for our listeners and viewers um, can find it all on our Pillars of Franchising page at www.pillarsoffranchising.com. That will have all of Eric's contact information as well as all of his social media links. And uh, again, thank you so much, Eric. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Have a Kristen, great day. Kristen, Karen, nice thank you so you much. Too.
Bye. Nice Thank to meet you. you as well. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, franchise owners. How about local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. 50 graduates resulting in seven new franchisees owning eight franchise brands, more than a dozen skilled graduates who are employees of franchise companies, all of them having earned a concentration in franchising exclusively granted by the Titus Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, plus more than 80 franchise professionals on our advisory board, the Titus Center for Franchising is on fire in West Palm Beach, Florida. What do you need to join us? My students want to hear from you. They may even want to buy your franchise or work for your company. TitusCenter.com And thank you all for joining us today for another episode of Pillars of Franchising. I'd like to give a huge shout out to Jerry Akers, Andrea Mundy, Ray Pillar, and Karen Kimsey Swart, as well as Laura Liss for their continued support and insight on all things franchising. And last but not least, a shout of thanks to Fred McMurray, our producer. I am Kristen Shalmetzi, your fifth franchising mentor, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Join us again next week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you get your podcast. And remember, the dream starts here. Have a great week.